0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast. Happy Thursday, June 27th. I'm Will Brinson. I'm the host of CBS Sports' daily NFL podcast. Happy as always to have you with us. If you're a new listener, welcome. If you're a long-time listener, thanks for sticking around. Got a great show coming up today. Paul Diener, Jr. of The Athletic Cincinnati joining us to talk Bengals. I I know we actually talked... A fair amount of Bengals on here because John Breach is a is a super friend, um, but I, I really do think that Bengals are the enigma of the NFL this year. No one knows what the hell the Bengals are going to do, and I, no one really cares, I guess. But the Bengals could be a nine or ten win team. No one like like we've done these mailbacks before, and like Sean refuses to listen to the idea that the Bengals are a nine win team. It's totally in the realm of possibility. No one thought the Rams would be good when Sean McVay took over. They thought they were kicking the can down the, the kicking the can of the road towards uh, twenty 2020 twenty or twenty twenty one with this new stadium, and then they're great. They're in the Super Bowl like already within two years. So to assume the Bengals would be bad is is idiotic. Now the Bengals might be bad; they could be, and uh, we'll talk to Paul Diener about that in a minute. Um, in the meantime, I would uh, I got a couple things I would urge you to do. One, if you like gambling, if you like poker, if you like watching poker, you can watch the World Series of Poker on CBS All Access, and you can do that with a free seven-day trial. Don't have to have a promo code or anything. Just go to cbs.com, that's cbs.com, not cbssports.com, and use the CBS or use the CBS app, CBS app, not the CBS Sports app, and you can go and get a free seven-day trial of CBS All Access. In it, you will find such popular hits as The Twilight Zone, the new ones, and Star Trek, the new ones, that you can only exclusively get on CBS. I'm actually making up this read on the fly, so my bosses should be impressed. Um, but in all seriousness, I really recommend CBS All Access. You can watch NFL and CBS games. It's very cheap. If you cut the cord and you don't have CBS All Access, you're a lunatic. Uh, let's get to some news and we'll talk to Paul Dainer. Oh, um, also, uh, one more thing. If you're in the, if you're in the grocery store, or the like Walgreens or Wawa or wherever the hell you go to get your uh to get your you know, groceries, medicine, pharmacy, you know, pharmacy stuff, whatever it is, hit at that magazine section. There's a CBS sports and Beckett Beckett, like the legendary price guide for uh you know, for baseball cards. If you if you're if you're my age, you know what Beckett is. Uh if you're collecting you collected cards. check the value on those eighty seven tops every month. They're still down. Um, we teamed up with Beckett as we always do to make a fantasy Mac. It is absolutely perfect for you to grab It's 799. It's not cheap. I bought one the other day. I mean, I I could definitely get one for free. I think maybe, but I bought one. I bought one the other day. I was out shopping at the grocery store to support, uh, Jamie Eisenberg, Dave Richard, Heath Cummings. Recommend you do the same. It's got a bunch of good stuff in there. I did a mock draft with those guys. You can learn a lot from it. It's perfect beach or plane travel material for the summer. Go buy one of those when you see it in the grocery store. Um, I think, I think that's it for, oh, oh, I know. Um, I, again, with the reviews, I don't want to harp on this. People get mad if I harp on this, but, uh, as, um, somebody pointed out in an email to me, gee, Brady Quinn and Prisco bomb badly. But to get one-star rating shows you what D-heads people can be. I checked in five five-star ratings, yeah, and unsubscribe, resubscribe five times to help negate that BS to a small degree at least. You don't deserve being crapped on when you aren't even there. Again, if you don't like one show, if you like this podcast as a whole but don't like one show, then email me at wilbrinson at gmail.com or DM me on Twitter at willbrinson. I'll answer them all. I ask anyone if you could send me, you can send me a fantasy trade question in the middle of the year and I will take time out of my day to send you like 3000 words back. If you have a keeper question right now and you want it answered, email me or DM me. Don't do it on like a Saturday morning because I won't, uh, I'll miss it. You know, it'll fall in the mall of my inbox, but j- send it to me and I promise I'll get back to you and I'll give you a good answer or at least the best answer I can give. I'm all about engagement on this podcast. I'm happy to do it. So if you don't like the show, if you don't like one show, just shoot me an email and be like, "Hey, Briscoe and Brady suck." And don't don't leave a one star review. You're a podcast listener. What are you doing? You're hurting the podcast. You're part of the family. Why would you do that? So don't do that. Um, we're oh, oh, oh yes, and uh, so sorry, I'm a little spacey today. Uh, so for Thursday show, Paul Diener, Friday show is a lot of news and notes with me. We're pre-recorded. Me and Ryan and Sean, a mini Super Friends edition. John Breach is headed to Paris to watch, uh, my team, the U.S. Women's World Cup team play. Uh, and then Monday is going to be a, a big giant mailbag part three. It was kind of popular. People liked it. We really enjoy doing it. So if you got more mailbag questions you want to ask, again, gambling, fantasy, uh, football, life advice, Super Friend Island, boxing, Deathmatch questions. We've probably done enough of those already, but, um, if you, if you got a question, like you got a question, like, all right, uh, a breach sort of weirds me out. What, uh, what's his favorite color? I don't care. Drop it on iTunes. Five star review on iTunes with a question guaranteed to be answered. You, you, I guarantee you, if you email me or DM me, it'll get answered as well. Uh, we have a lot of this coming up Tuesday of next week. We're going to rank quarterbacks with Danny Cannell, uh, at some point next week. I think on the 4th of July, Heath Cummings and I are going to give our definitive 4th of July beer list and rank wide receivers. And we're going to go through position by position and rank rank uh, each position, top 10, top 10, top 10. And we're releasing somehow a second top 100 on the site. We'll probably get to that at some point. It won't involve Prisco and Brady Quinn. Don't worry. Uh, we love both of them, but people weren't real big on the podcast. And um, yeah, that that's sort of the plan for next week. Next week's a big holiday week. I, I timed this perfectly. Vacation, vacation, holiday week. That's how you do it. And then all of a sudden, training camp, we're here, and we're rolling along. Um, of note in the news, Tyreek Hill, we talked about this with Brooke Pryor of the Kansas City Star this week. He met with the NFL for eight hours. The NFL came to Kansas City, and they met from 8.30 a.m. This is per uh, Pro Football Talk's Michael David Smith. They met uh, Lisa Friel and her deputy, Jennifer Garner, started meeting with Tyreek Hill at 8.30 a.m. local time in Kansas City. I think that's Central Time. And then concluded at 4.30 p.m. Central Time. So basically an eight-hour meeting. Having been in disciplinary meetings, you know, of course, as the one who was the narc doing the investigation, I, excuse me, as the investigator uh, checking into the the poorly behaved, I, I feel even more confident in my stance on this. Tyreek Hill is going to be given two options: one, he can take a ten game suspension, and the NFL, like the NFL, the, the NFL will suspend him ten games, and he can try to appeal it. It will go poorly for him because of the audio tapes out there. Or two, he can take a six six game suspension with and, and agree to waive his appeal. And move along from the matter, because as as Brooke pointed out, they're at this spot where the courts aren't going to solve this by the time week one rolls around. And I, I get it that it's way more important for uh, the, the, the situation involving a small child and the matter of his safety and all that. All of that is way more important. But you have to remember how the NFL will deal with this. The NFL is going to want to make sure that it has some sort of punishment. I think someone at the league office realized we need to have a punishment on the books well in advance of training camp and week one. Because people are going to be asking questions of Tyreek Hill, asking questions of us every minute. So they shipped him down there. They hammered out this meeting for eight hours. And they're going to give Tyreek Hill two options. Take a huge suspension and gamble on being able to appeal it. Or, or take a six game suspension. You miss six games. You're back with the team and you can, you can continue working. And if you do anything else, it's going to get real ugly. So I, I don't want to tell you, like I, I could be wrong. I'm wrong all the time. I think that's what's going to happen. I, I just don't think that there is enough. There's enough evidence there where Tyreek Hill is not going to want to fight the NFL on this. The NFL isn't bound by any, you know, uh, court jurisdiction or anything like that. They can just do what they want. Tyreek Hill is not going to want to fight this in the Supreme Court. That will go it's not like the Brady situation. And so in my mind, the NFL is probably going to offer him some sort of suspension with a waived appeal that's a little bit shorter than normal that that will make Tyreek Hill feel like he sort of won, that will make the NFL look like it was aggressive enough and it didn't it's not the Ray Rice 2 game suspension. I think that's where we're headed. I would be surprised if it went in a different direction. Um another question. This is a good one. Um we're going to answer this again. This is this are good questions. Like this is a perfect question. Uh love the podcast all the way from London. Listen every day on my way home from work and love it. I've also given it five stars on Apple Podcasts. Questions for all of you. What stadium city with a team is the best overall experience? Been to Tampa, New York, and Austin in the States for the holidays, but want the next trip to include an NFL game and want to know where to go fantastic question I think that it really uh depends on what you want out of uh like you know like what do you want out of the trip right um because to me I mean it, good luck finding a spot that that stinks I, just, I don't think you're gonna find a bad spot to go um you ever know say like like it was Joey Hansen Um, I don't have Joey's, it was via email, so I don't have Joey's, uh, Twitter, but we, uh, you know, we're welcome to send suggestions to Pick Six Pod. Maybe we'll rank the best spots to go to. I mean, I think New Orleans, if, if I lived in London and I'd never been to, if I live, my wife's never been to New Orleans, I keep telling you, we got to go to New Orleans. New Orleans is the best, most fun city on the planet. The Superdome isn't going to blow you away with the experience. Um, it's an old crappy stadium. But New Orleans is the best city, maybe the best city, eh, Chicago's right there. I would say Chicago and New Orleans. Cause I think if you're coming from London, you want to see Americana, you don't want to, you know, I mean, Austin is a great spot to go to, of course. Uh, Tampa, eh, I could live without Tampa. I, I, th- I think New Orleans, I mean, I'm obviously biased towards Charlotte, but New Orleans and Chicago, I think Kansas City would be up there because you want to go to Kansas City and try this ridiculous food that you can't get anywhere else uh maybe Boston if you're into that sort of thing there's a, there's a, every every city where the n f l is 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 pretty awesome i mean los angeles is is pretty cool right Seattle would be very cool to go to that's a really long haul from from the u k but Seattle would be fun to go to. San Francisco would be awesome. The downside of that, of course, is you've got to, you know, hike, like if you want to see Santa, San Francisco, you've got to hike all the way out to Santa Clara for a game. Phoenix, eh? Phoenix is actually really fun. They got, they have the best pizza somehow. Um but I, I, you know, if you're not playing golf, I don't think I do Phoenix trying to run through all the divisions. Denver. I, I would say Denver is right up there, right? Cause you can land in Denver. You can see the mountains. You can see like a geography that you would never see in the UK. Uh, you could, you know, you could do whatever is going to happen. I'm going to Denver. I'm in Denver right now, actually. Uh, well, I mean, I'm leaving for Denver this afternoon for some people. Um, I would say that, uh, Denver is definitely up there. Check out a Broncos game. Incredible atmosphere. It's hard to go wrong, man. wouldn't go to Oakland. Not right now. Might be a little down. Uh, so anyway, tweet us your, uh, tweet us your answers and we'll, we'll check in on that in the next mailbag to find out where people think is the, uh, the best place, the best experience to go check out an NFL game. Minnesota was awesome. I thought Minnesota was fantastic. I think I thought Atlanta was fantastic for the Super Bowl recently. Just thinking of two cities. I I would say New Orleans, Chicago, and Denver are my top three. Just kind of walking through that out loud. I think, I think those are the best spots. Uh, I'm sort of rambling here. That's fine. Uh, one of, uh, my buddy Adam Gold, who I appear on the radio with in Raleigh, uh, frequently. He's actually been on this podcast. You may have heard him talking, uh, talking to football. Great dude. Listens to the podcast while he's, uh, while he's doing work around his farm in North Raleigh, horse farm. And, uh, he asked me the other day while we were on the air, what is your favorite song of all time? It's another good question. And I've, I've been thinking about it for like 48 hours and I, I'm having trouble, um, I was having trouble, I'm having horrible trouble narrowing it down. I was blasting a bunch of talking heads before listening to this podcast. I would say that if I had to pick a favorite song of all time, and this sort of has me thinking about how we could rework the intro music for this podcast, I would definitely get something that sounded similar to a song from Stop Making Sense. If you've never seen Stop Making Sense, Cut this podcast off as long as you're not driving a car, and go listen, go watch it, and listen to it. The DVD's unbelievable. They build up the set as it's going along. Uh, I would say the Talking Heads are—I don't know if they're my favorite band of all time. They're right there. They're definitely in my top five, Un- like unquestionably in my top five. The whole album is, is is marvelous. "Life During Wartime" might be my favorite song, but when I think of my favorite song ever, I, I feel like it's a song I have to listen to all the time. And sometimes I'm, you, know, you want to be a little more mellow than life during wartime. Cross-Eyed and Painless, same thing. Uh, making Flippy Floppy is right up there. I will tell you that uh, Naive Melody, which this feels like this could be sort of an intro for this podcast, some sort of knockoff version of it. listen to that at the beginning of this podcast. I would be down for that. So let's uh, let's create that as the new uh, theme music. Some sort of knockoff of that. Uh, also accepting alternative possible songs. Robert Palmer sneaking Sally through the alley. We're not going to play each one of these. I would get fired for that. Uh, Caravan by Van Morrison. The live version, of course, from uh, The Last Waltz. Also from The Last Waltz, Ophelia by the band. And... Um, like 12 different songs from Van Morrison's live in San Francisco. Of course, uh, I, there are a lot of songs that white, panic and fish play that I'm also into, but from a classic rock, best song ever standpoint, those are right up there. There's a ton of steely Dan songs. I'd be into I'm probably missing a bunch, but you know, you get the point Though Those, if I had to pick my favorite song, that would be up there. I'd be interested in hearing listeners, favorite song uh, submission. So tweet me with your favorite songs, I'm not sure I've mentioned any um, any football in the first half of the show. And that's fine. we got lots of football to talk about. We'll do it with Paul Diener after the break. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend Alright, joining the program now as promised, good friend of the show. Second time appearing on this pro- on this very podcast, which means that, uh, I haven't, I- I- have I've done the podcast long enough not to get fired, and Paul Diener is good, a good- a good enough of a friend to come on multiple times and talk bingles with us. Interestingly though, since we last talked, Paul, you've got a new job. You're, uh, you were with the Cincinnati Choir, uh, last year, I think, right? And now you're with the, uh, the Athletic Cincinnati. How's it, uh, how's it going yeah. with the, the new kicks?
1: Oh, it's great. It's great. I, you know, I have, uh, I, from afar while I was at the Inquirer, always loved the athletic and and everything they were doing and to come over and join Jay Morrison also does the Bengals. So we sort of are double teaming the Bengals coverage here and doing, uh, doing uh, a lot of, I just, you know, I'm going to be loving it here. We've got podcasts coming and all that stuff. So it's, uh, it's a blast, man. I'm, a, I'm, a, uh, I'm enjoying it.
0: Do you have a uh, promo code for the listeners if they want to subscribe to The Athletic? Or um, I don't, uh, I don't know.
1: Yeah, there's an NFL promo code. You can just follow me on Twitter at Paul Daner Jr. And uh, there's a pinned tweet at the top. Uh, and if if you want a different code, if that one runs out, I can always uh, just send one to anybody. We uh, were running like 30%, 40% off. It always is somewhere between $250 to $3 a month, uh, depending on uh, what promo code is running. So it's uh, always a good deal there.
0: Yeah, no, it is a great deal. There's there's more content, and not like I would tell anybody to watch or read anything other than CBS Sports. But, I mean, like, of course. You, you got, like... Surely you've got enough free time, or like you know, once the season starts, people have enough time where they can consume uh, more than one website. And uh, I, I don't I actually don't know if there's enough time to consume all, everything at the athletic.
1: Like it, no, it, it's 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 actually it's becoming sort of like a YouTube wormhole where you just keep <laughs> you just keep circling and finding something because there's almost 400 writers and and some of the best reporters in the country on this site and like for every team and net and whether you're in uh, obscure sports and like mainstream sports, every niche, every city, there's people that are just digging stuff up and coming up with interesting uh interesting stories all the time. It's crazy. You just click one, you end up in another and next thing you know, you just wasted like, you know, five hours. But you wasted five hours reading and making yourself smarter not just you know watching cat videos nothing wrong with cat videos or any of the great things that happen in the internet wormhole but i'm just saying sometimes it's good to read and get smarter from wasting that
0: time well last night or like two nights ago i guess now because we're publishing this on thursday june 27th but my uh, my wife went to walk the dog around the lake near our house and i was supposed to stay home and um and make i was supposed to start cooking dinner and I went over to my computer to get the recipe pulled up for dinner, and she came back thirty minutes later. And I was like researching DFS golf. She was like, "What? Yeah. What the? What the? <laughs> she was like, "What the f are you doing?" I was like, "She was like, did you make those parmesan things in the in the oven?" I was like, "Oh my god!" I was like, I walked over here and sat down to get the recipe. And I don't know what the hell I've been doing for thirty minutes. She's like, "What is the matter with you? You're leaving for Colorado. You're leaving for Colorado tomorrow or today, I guess, as it is." She's like, "You freaking a-hole!" Get the, you know, but that's that's the internet for you, man. That's what happens.
1: This is what happens when you've got a problem. You know, you just you, you just you've got to feed your own beast. There's <laughs> plenty right. of plenty of people offering uh offering nuggets and morsels of information to you, no matter where you turn.
0: Well, all right. Let me ask you this: So, what changes? What's what's different about your job? And I'm, so you can sort. Uh, not 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 specifically like the whole job, but like so the Bengals announced on Tuesday that Jonah Williams, starting presum, presumptive starting left tackle, uh first yeah. round pick out of Alabama, a guy that they believed would be a big factor in this season. If anybody doubts that, they're crazy. Um, at a, at a real point of weakness for them, and he's out for the season. A. What changes about your job with that? Do you write up a newser? Is it it like, I mean, how different is it versus the Inquirer and what you were doing? Do you do like a deep dive analysis of what it means for the bingo season? And B, uh, what does it mean for the bingo season?
1: Uh, well, to get me out of the way and talk about what people maybe are more interested in. I mean, <laughs> for me, it's basically, it's, it, yeah, the, the like, instant newser doesn't happen. I more interact on Twitter and then I kind of look for a deeper angle, whether, you know, like, what I, I just sort of did a reaction, uh, answering a, a lot of the questions, Um that people were having about how this happened and why the Bengals uh, used Paul Brown Stadium on an Indian burial ground and like all of these, these <laughs> things, people wondering what the hell is going on and blaming medical staff and all that stuff mm. that never should take someone from Alabama and all that stuff. So I, I sort of with that and, and now I'm, I'm doing sort of I think the athletic sweet spot is sort of the second wave. Real information deep dive, you know, in what really did happen that comes out on the second wave. That's kind of what we focus on, and that's sort of where I'm at with it now. As far as the Bengals, I mean, it's it's awful. It's 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 they didn't do a lot in the off season as they normally don't. They're not going to be active in free agency. They're big. Change to make things different this year obviously came with the coaching staff and the massive overhaul there. You know they're they're not a free agent team, so their okay. biggest thing was they want to be like whether the Rams or you know the Shanahan system running everything based off of this play action offense. You know and and all of but that's where it starts right. And, right. Joe Mixon and, and running the ball and play action and they said we could really do something special here. We get we got Jonah Williams. You put him at left tackle, you move core all three hundred and forty pounds of Cordy Glenn inside the guard, turn him into an inside mauler. Billy Price is in his second season as a first round pick. You 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 still aren't great on the right side of the line, but you actually Significantly improved at guard uh, by bringing in uh, John Miller, who's sort of a run-in-the-mill, just a guy at right guard. But they all previously had a complete disaster at right guard with Alex Redmond. So you've upgraded. You, you felt like you honestly upgraded Bobby Hart's back at right tackle. The same. And that's, an, <laughs> I,
0: that's I, love, I love, I love, I love, I just how mad Bobby Hart makes Bengals fans. Like nothing makes Bengals fans more mad nothing. than Bobby Hart. And by the way, I um, I told you before the podcast I was going to try and get uh, John Breach our. New Friend, my colleague, right now, um, on on, and he said, uh, "I said, hey man, can you pop on with Deener?" He's like, "I can't tell you how upset I am that I'm gonna have to turn down this invite. I'm literally in lined to board a flight. He's going to Paris to watch the 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 World Cup. So good for breach. Oh, uh, and uh, rich. Uh Me whining about every Bengals first round pick ever getting injured, and Dieter talking up to the ledge would have been fun. And I'm like, well, that wasn't gonna happen." Yeah. No,
1: no, yeah, no. I honestly, actually, think if you ever really want to have a good time, and if you have any following on Twitter, just find, just actually, just pop into my mentions and just start mentioning how bad the Bobby Hart deal was. To everybody <laughs> that's replied to any of my tweets, and you will just see just the the you know the ugly corners of the of the Bengals internet will just arrive and all start. Tweeting awful, you know, office gifts at you and stuff. It's pretty, <laughs> it's fairly hysterical. Uh, but no, but to, to kind of play that out, you, even with Bobby Hart coming back, um, you had you could definitely make an argument that four of your five offensive line positions were going to be better than yeah. last year. That's something considering that Joe Mixon did lead the AFC in rushing yards last year. And so when you when you sit when you saw that that was the and all that was. It was, sure, it's Billy Price in the second year and actually healthy this time. But it's mostly the ripple effect of Jonah Williams' arrival because he was going to be the, the badass lockdown left tackle that you needed. And that's how he came billed. That's what he was at Alabama, and that's what they were counting on. And Cordy Glenn turning into, uh, you know, some sort of – revitalized career and, you know, like you, like you see a lot of times when you kick left tackles inside, they can be really dominant guards really quick. I think they felt like that's what they had. Right. And now you don't. <laughs> now you have Cordy Glenn going back out to left tackle where He, he took a step back last year at yep. left tackle. He did. People don't talk enough about that. He did not play really well. It's a reason why they didn't move him to right tackle, where they brought Bobby Hart back, because if you really look at it, Cordy Glenn was only a touch better than Bobby Hart last year, um, and and people Uh-oh. can't believe that. But if you watch 16 games of Bengals football last year, um, and you and you even look whether you go to Pro Football Focus or whoever you're looking at that's doing analysis of that, Cordy Glenn was only slightly better than than Bobby Hart. Uh, it's the the you know there was a lot of um, you know, uh, false starts and stuff like that from Bobby Hart. But outside of actual gameplay, um, they were they were scarily scarily similar for Bengals fans. So you're kind of you're back in that boat again, hoping that Cordy Glenn can find himself and that someone can emerge from sort of a battle royal at left guard of people trying to play next to Cordy Glenn. It's devastating. Is it? A, what in short, it's devastating, and long everything I just said.
0: Yeah. No. I mean, I I, I think that's a Great way to put it. And by the way, um, I was going to ask you about Joe Mixon because mainly, um, you know, look, I've got the post right here where I wrote about it and I don't, I don't think we got, I don't have your, I don't know if we got an actual prediction from you and. June 20th, 2018. So basically a full year between your, your appearances on here. Thanks for, thanks yeah. for, thanks for putting up with it. But you, the title I wrote, why Joe Mixon can be set up for a special season behind Bengals offensive line. The offensive line wasn't even good, but you were spot on. Joe Mixon had 1,464 yards from scrimmage, averaged 4.9 yards per attempt and rushed for almost 1,200 yards. You, you crushed yeah. the Joe Mixon call. Is there any chance that Joe Mixon with this Jonah Williams news can Equal or surpass his numbers? Do you have a higher expectation for Joe Mixon than he did last year? Where do you fall on, on him? Until, I mean, he's entering his 23 year old season. I mean, this should yeah. be a good year, right? No, I think,
1: I think Joe Mixon is going to play at his peak level this year, really? but that doesn't mean that his numbers are going to be better. for, mm. cause, So the, the the line being the same, to me, doesn't change from his production last year. I think the offensive system will be better. It's clearly going to be more geared towards running the ball, and, and, and everything should be more effective in that matter. But I do think that there is – look, Zach Taylor – just came from Los Angeles where they watched Todd Gurley get run into the ground. Yep. And then they want to make sure that Joe Mixon is fresh over the course of a season. And I will argue that Giovanni Bernard was one of the most criminally underused assets in the NFL last year. And they, they, they have found no way to get him involved. They never really gave him a chance to do what he does really well. He's if people don't pay enough attention. You know, it's, over the course of guys careers, there's only a select few that have had any season where they average four yards a carry and average nine yards per reception as a, as a running back. Giovanni Bernard has done that three times and he can, he, he, he has still got plenty in the tank because he hasn't been used a ton. And, they know that and i think they feel like he's a real asset to them that can be insert your guy here Sproles, any of these types of guys that are these that are these sort of maybe more scat backs in certain situations they want to use him more um they like some of the guys they drafted Travion Williams out of Texas fame um you know that they feel like can come in in that third running back role too so uh, to me you'll see maybe less of joe mixon but just as efficient if not more because of, you know, just the way they want to use more of their backs and not try to make Joe Mixon the quote unquote bell cow, which was, they literally called him that last year, which was the, kind of the part of my prediction on why it would turn out that way. I think there's going to be more shared, but I also think that, you know, there it it should be pretty solid because they're, you know, they're going to, they're going to be dedicated to, to making him a star too. He'll, he'll catch more passes. I do think that.
0: And, and they just don't have, like you, you mentioned, they like, they might like Trayvon Williams and they might want to use, you know, Giovanni more, but I mean, there's only so many touches you can take away Giovanni had like, even if you give him 110 carries and I don't know. I mean, like uh, you know, 60 targets. Like that's not eating away at Joe Mixon's the entirety of of uh, of, of Joe Mixon's like production. Like he's still going to have production. What like generally speaking, though, what the hell is this offense going to look like? Like what do we? I know you mentioned the, the the Rams. What do we expect from Zach Taylor? Because I think you know I know I know we know where he came from. But, but the, Bengals, the Bengals might be the biggest enigma in football just because nobody really knows what Zach Taylor is going to do because we don't have a history of seeing what he's done.
1: Yeah. No, and certainly for those that never pay attention to him unless something like this happens, which is the vast majority. Yeah,
0: that's of right. Yeah. right. You know, which, which I totally understand.
1: The, the, thing, the Here's what we do know about Zach Taylor. And, and you know, I, I spent a lot of time talking to him about offense and philosophy and his background and stuff. And it is it is based on the Rams. I mean, what the Rams were doing is going to be the foundation for what you're going to see here. Now, whether that's running the 95% of the time three-wide single-back stuff that you saw the Rams doing, I think that's dependent on personnel. I think you could see the Bengals run a ton of – I would call it sort of like a big three wides where instead of John Ross is a third wide receiver, Tyler Eifert would be the third wide receiver right. and he gives you a little bit more options. Obviously he's incredible in the passing game, but it gives you more options to be a little bit more powerful. If you did want to run out of that, which they're all about looking the same every single snap and not knowing and you not knowing what they're doing. So, that's that's the basis of it. It's pre-snap stuff. It's disguises. It's all those jet sweeps, uh, motion things that you've seen all all the raids uh, across the league. But at, the, at its core, at its core, what Zach Taylor is going to be is going to be about running the ball and that deep play action, which is just the core of the, the Shanahan system um, that you've seen uh, Kyle running in San Francisco to so much uh, success and it's a big reason why they drafted Drew Sample in the second round because he came out as the best run-blocking tight end in this draft and also a guy that they think can play pretty well, actually, in the passing game. And I am not – I want to make sure before I even say this statement that I'm not saying that Drew Sample is going to be this, but I'm saying that this is the model for where they think he can be is the Shanahan system and what George Kittle came out as when he came out of San Francisco, he was a run-blocking, big physical type of tight end who could be schemed open and play really well in the passing game. George Kittle faster than Drew Sample. However, that's the idea, is if you have that as a threat of being a run-blocking tight end, you can scheme these guys that have some athletic ability wide open and have huge seasons. So that is sort of the basis, because they saw that as a blind spot where they can't do play action, and running the ball properly without that. So that is what this this system is going to be all about. You're not going to ask Andy Dalton to drop back and throw it 600 times a season. That's how you lose. That's happened here over and over again. (laughs) But Andy Dalton, when given a running game and people using him properly and not trying to make him carry the team but make him carry his own part, has had great seasons and can prove it, can win you a whole lot of games. This is a guy who's been in the playoffs five times. So, you know, I think that's how they view it, and that's why they believe in Dalton. And I think that's kind of the core of what of what Zach Taylor wants this offense to look like.
0: Hmm, interesting. So that sounds good. Um, is it going to happen?
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that's just it. You also have a guy who's never called plays outside of uh, half an inch from in in Miami, you have an offensive coordinator under him, Brian Callahan, who, I, you know, I actually think those two are one of the best things that this franchise has going for it. But he's 34 and he's just his first time as an offensive coordinator. You you have on the defensive side, Lou Anarumo, who has never called plays outside of go ahead and say it, the half interim year with the Miami Dolphins, which is sort of a common theme here because the offensive line coach is Jim Turner, very well-known for his year is half-year with the Miami Dolphins in 2015 with all that stuff.
0: That's the offensive line coach now this year? The Bullygate guy? That is
1: correct. Bullygate guy, yeah, who then Did they, went to Texas A&M. He's been at Texas A&M the previous three years um, where he had a – Breeze dust up when he first got there for these ridiculous slides uh that showed up in like oh, a Oh yeah yeah yeah
0: yeah. Yeah. Did, did they hire did they in, did get they royal that? They didn't hire uh, um they didn't hire uh hurricane or stripper cocaine gate guy, did they?
1: <laughs> I believe there's no stripper cocaine gate guy on staff here uh yet. Yet. I'm sure that this is actually, this is
0: right. actually a really interesting coaching staff because they have James Casey at tight end. Yeah. Um, Alex Van Pelt at quarterback. I mean, I know that he got yeah. fired from Green Bay, but I mean, he was Aaron Rodgers guy. Um, yeah. this is, it's an interesting, there's just, I, I don't know. It's just a hard, it's hard to get, a, it's hard to get a grasp on this, on this coaching staff and whether, and, 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 and like, I don't know if it's hard for you to, Step back from your job and to, I mean, you know, like you're working with these guys every day. It's easier to be like, all right, these guys are pretty smart because most, almost every NFL, almost every NFL coach is is smart in some way, right? Like you're not going to meet a guy who's just a complete idiot most of the time.
1: Most of the time, correct? Yeah.
0: Although you, you, even like, but even like, people are like Marvin Lewis is a clown, and you're like, well. You could say Marvin Lewis is a clown, but he did, you know, raise the Bengals from the dead and go to the playoffs a bunch. And I mean, right, you know, what I mean no, like, I'm, not,
1: I'm not saying I'm not saying that I, I'm not I'm not saying that Marvin Lewis is a clown or an idiot or anything of that. I know you're not of that respect.
0: No, no, no. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, but I mean, so do you like? Do you think that this is a functional offense to operate, or is this a situation where yeah. we get into it and it's? So all right, well, I mean, these guys are in over their head, and no, I don't. I think it's. I think it's. It's meant to be easy
1: on the players. I think they have the personnel to do it. Um, you know, the the Jonah Williams thing does hurt because we know what it's based around. But you know, look, I don't know who wants something better that when you show up than Joe Mixon, AJ Green, and Tyler Boyd right now, Uh and 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 an offensive line that, you know, again, Jonah goes back to Jonah Williams, but an offensive line that did run block for uh the afc's leading rusher last year and people just forget so often that this team was four and one and five and three with one of the legitimately like actually on pace to be the worst defense in the history of (laughs) and that was based on this offense and with all of these components healthy playing winning a ton of games 35 to 32 or whatever, they beat the Colts, they beat Atlanta in Atlanta, uh, they had the Steelers beat at home uh, until an absolutely disastrous uh, uh, final series by their defense, where Andy Dalton drove the length of the field in week six, what would have made them 5-1, and one, scored a touchdown with a minute left, and the defense could not hold them, ran a cover zero defense uh, with. Chris Boswell on the edge of his field goal <laughs> range only for Antonio Brown to sneak out and run untouched 40 yards for a touchdown. Carol Austin got fired. Okay. So, so that was what was happening on the defensive <laughs> side of the ball last year. So to the components to me, when you look at that, because after that AJ Green went down for the year, Andy Dalton went down for the year. Uh, they, they're, they're off. They had five of their top six tight ends. And that includes dudes that were on the street all went out for the year. I mean, they had they were completely beset by injuries, um, unlike anything I've ever seen. I mean, the guys it was completely by the end of the year last year, it was I didn't even recognize what was happening out there. You had Jeff Driscoll and some dude named Matt Langle at tight end and Cody Core was playing receiver and and they had, you know, all these dudes on the offensive line. I mean, it was I don't I don't I don't really know what we're supposed to make of that. We're not I, to me we're certainly not supposed to judge this offense and these players on those last 8 games. Right. I'm not I'm not going I'm not going to hold Andy Dalton and AJ Green to the Jeff Driscoll Cody Core level. I mean, <laughs> that's just that's not fair. So I look at the team and the off- We were speaking on the offense, and I look at four and one and five and three and scoring a ton of points. And now you bring in for the first time in their career an actual offensive head coach um, and a young offensive system and a lot of new fresh energy in the building. And and I think that you can see how it could work. Does that mean it's going to work? I don't know. Zach Taylor hasn't done anything for me to know that on game day he's not going to collapse into a-, a-, a puddle of his own urine. Maybe he'll be great. I, no one can claim that they know that. So we'll see, but I do think that there's components there where you could see how it could be very successful.
0: All right. What about the, uh, the defense? Cause they couldn't hire a defensive coordinator for like six months. Yeah. I mean, that's awkward. It's just like, they couldn't like, how do you, yeah. you're like, are like, Hey, would you like to be the defensive coordinator for one of the 32 teams in the national football league? No, 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 really? No. What? I mean, how many times can you get turned down for that job? Yeah. Well, it's, it,
1: it turned into, uh, you know, it was classic Bengals where it allowed the uh, the rest of the league, the national media to point and laugh, mm. and you know they had the young head coach who they all everybody made fun of him for hiring Sean McVay's friend, and it was just it was it was classic to uh, fit right into every every national narrative. In truth, and it's kind of interesting when you really think about it, and I'm not you know. It, <laughs> They, <laughs> Zach Taylor sort of said, I actually thought it was great because I, I wasn't in like a huge rush and I could really take my time because there was nobody else that I was worried that someone was, I had to hurry up and hire to steal in front of me. So we took our yeah. time. We went through a different cans. They actually offered to, there were only a couple turn downs that they were Dennis Allen, uh, who they tried to pull from New Orleans, who, good luck. I mean, I don't know. how, You know, that guy's not going to leave that situation. Um, there's no way that's happening. And they offered, obviously, to um, Todd Grantham in Florida, who was essentially doing what he does best, and that is trying to use his current employer uh, going <laughs> to, to leverage for more money. Who amongst think, us,
0: though, Paul? I mean, who amongst, who amongst <laughs> us has not done this? Yeah, yeah.
1: This is not me throwing stones. This is me pointing out that was probably never realistic. Um, but I think they wanted to try to take a shot. I think they liked some of what he would, uh, he would bring. Instead, he stayed in Florida to be the highest-paid coordinator in uh, college football. You know, so the, as far as who they offered to, that's basically it. And then they went to assess who else they had left. And it was Lou Anaruma who he, they had worked with before. You know, we'll see. I only say this uh, in, in slight defense of expectations. You know, maybe they'll be bad, they might, but they really would have a hard time being worse yeah. than last year. Like, that defense was so unbelievably awful that, I mean, how could it even be that much worse? It seems almost uh, almost impossible for that to be the case. You can be bad and still be improved Thir- around
0: here. Yeah, 30th in points allowed. Um, that has to be the lowest in Marvin Lewis's entire tenure as a head coach or defensive coordinator, right? I mean, and, uh. Yeah, I mean, yeah. to
1: the point that Marvin had to fire his DC and take over as coordinator in the midstream of the season, something that he had not done except for one game in his entire 16 years in Cincinnati. Jeez. I mean, it's, it's, Clearly, he never thought that that was a good idea for something that he would have to do. That right. you know how much back in a corner you have to be, have to feel that after 16 years, you're like, Ugh, I guess I got to do this thing I've never wanted to do, even though I'm like supposed to be known as a defensive
0: guru. How much? That's how bad it was. How much do you think it was? Like, like do you think Paul Gunther leaving was that big a deal? I mean, he's lost, he lost Mike Zimmer before he's lost Paul Gunther. I mean, sometimes there's yeah. a, sometimes there's just a brain drain there. Do you think it was that, or is it like? Or just Well, Marvin. yeah, I
1: think I think Terrell Austin coming in was too much of a changeover uh, than this. These players were ready for. They were lost, confused, doing things they hadn't done. A roster had been built under the Zimmer Gunther system, which is the same and one that they devised yeah. together about you know ten to ten years ago. It's it's hard press, man, cover corners. Uh, it's the double A gaps, it's 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 these edge rushers and, and all this that that's what it was built for. I mean Zimmer, came in, Zimmer was doing was, different
0: stuff. Wasn't Zimmer furious that Paul Gunther wouldn't leave to come be his DC in yes. Minnesota?
1: Yeah, yeah. Paul Gunther was gonna be his guy. He was gonna go and Doug Gunther was gonna go with him. But you know, Gunther got the chance to stay uh, in Cincinnati and and stay there and it was you know, and 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 for the most part it, you know, it worked out fairly well. Paul did a pretty good job there.
0: Um, Paul it, Paul, honestly, Paul was under the impression that Marvin Lewis would some at some point leave and he would might have a shot at yeah. the head coaching job and then he bolted well he knew that
1: him. was his best shot they, yeah. he knew with Zimmer and Jen leaving that, and, and Hugh Jackson leaving as well you, you had a chance to be a head coach more so here than anywhere else um, and so I think that was probably part of his thinking and I'm sure there was a lot of money involved and who knows what all goes into those decisions but, but, but it's weird like Terrell Austin hire by Marvin Lewis, I would argue, is what got him fired. Interesting. That's what, because the one thing that Marvin Lewis could do that you couldn't argue in his entire second half of his tenure here was hire some coaches. Yeah. He was as well-connected as anybody. He he, he did – I mean, you, you all the people I just mentioned, Vance Joseph, Hugh Jackson, uh, Mike Zimmer, Jay Gruden, all these guys he hired and immediately became – head coaches very soon after because he was so connected within the league. Well, recently, his coordinator hires were absolute undeniable bombs. Ken Zampezi taking over in 2016 set this franchise back a couple of years. (laughs) And he was basically – as far as I know, he was basically told, we don't think you should do this. He wanted to do it anyway. He ended up having to fire him three games, two games into – his second season, yep. the first time a coordinator had ever been fired midseason in Cincinnati Bengals franchise history. That's wow. plus years. The next year, the same thing happens. He hires Terrell Austin and has to fire him eight games into his first season for the second time a coordinator has been fired midseason in Cincinnati Bengals history. So you end up now, your last. the one thing that you were supposed to be able to do well one thing that was your calling card you have now massively flubbed up two straight times to the demise of losing your fan base and everything else that happened here at Cincinnati so to me that is as much what happened here with Marvin as anything else. well if the one thing that you do great all of a sudden you're not doing great
0: I really don't know why you're here I'm gonna I'm gonna make the case that um that Vontaze Perfect running into that tunnel at the end of 2015 is what got, <laughs> what got Marvin fired. I mean, like it's almost like everything spiraled out of control. That is interesting. The other thing that I think is kind of interesting, I don't know what you think about this, but um, you know, if you look at the 2018 Bengals, right, they're expected win loss was six and ten, and they went six and ten. I mean, they met it evenly. There was no no luck up or down there. As we pointed out, they're terrible on defense, but a little bit below average on offense. I think that if if Hugh Jackson doesn't get fired by the Browns. That the Bengals, the Bengals might have gone eight and eight or nine and seven. Cause I don't think that the, I don't think the Browns beat them twice if they don't hire Hugh no. Jackson. And that they definitely don't beat them if they've got Hugh Jackson. So it, it, I don't yeah. know. I don't know if that saves Marvin's job if he goes eight and eight. I mean, maybe it does. But, but hiring, yeah, he, hiring yeah, Hugh yeah, he, Jackson. Wait, I can go
1: by his words. I actually, when he was doing AAF, uh, broadcast work here, uh, this past offseason, he actually said during a game that he was talking about a player that reminded him of Baker Mayfield and said, I, I shouldn't talk. That guy got me fired. I think he really <laughs> feels like losing to the Browns twice was part was a huge reason. What? How, how differently did the Bengals feel if they're actually playing? They're sort of in the playoffs talk with that bad roster at the end of the year, uh, going eight and eight. He might you could you could have sold that to a. Uh, to Mike Brown to keep Marvin around at that point.
0: They went one in six after they hired Hugh Jackson. He's, Hugh is just a, a modern miracle of losing. It's incredible. Yeah, um, I know everybody
1: wants to blame Hugh Jackson. Do I bring up Jeff Driscoll to Cody Core again?
0: Do We need to do no, that. No, no, no. I know, I know. It's not Hugh Jackson's fault. <laughs> um, all right, uh, the Bengals over. We'll get you out of here on this. The Bengals over under win total. I think is six. Isn't that what we said yeah. on our podcast before? What do you think? Is that um they're By the way, they're like 185 to one to win the Super Bowl, which is actually not a terrible I tell value. You this. I actually think, because
1: I'm I'm crazy like this, I love value like that. Why not? I'm all about flyers, and when you have so many unknowns with a team, why wouldn't you take a chance? People are – now, again, I'm not saying this is what they are, but I'm just saying for comparison, when you're thinking of value and something to throw a flyer on, how about – You know, when Jeff Fisher left, and I've been told by many people that Marvin Lewis is the AFC's Jeff Fisher. Mm. I mean, when Jeff Fisher left L.A. and Sean McVay came in, the the Rams were a joke. They'd still move. Who's this young kid, right? And maybe they got a talented roster. I don't know. And they took off, right? Now, I'm not saying that that's what's going to happen here. But when you have so many unknowns and you have so many variables and a roster that has some players have proven to themselves to play at a pretty high level and make it to postseasons and win division titles before. Why? Why wouldn't you get a chance at insane numbers? I wouldn't do it at a regular number, but insane numbers like we are thrown around to them right now seem like something that I would, I would throw a twenty on. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's just like it's, it's it's easy throwaway money, but if it pays off. It's a good flyer. Six wins, I I would take the over only for the fact that Andy Dalton has never had less than six wins, and that includes seasons where he's missed half of them. I mean, that's just – he's not a guy when he's a quarterback that you're going to go 3-13, and which is part of the problem here. Eventually you need that so you can go get another better quarterback. Um, They have at least six games. Most seasons have been in the 8, 9, 10 range. Um, That's just sort of who he has been as a quarterback. Uh, So if you're looking to throw stuff down, and and traditionally – the biggest turnarounds year to year. All you got to do is look at the previous year's most affected by injuries. Look at that bottom five, and you the next year if they're average health to top health, yeah. you will see them probably take one of the biggest jumps in the NFL. The Bengals by Football Outsiders adjusted games lost twenty eighth. Well, trust me, we spent a lot of times trying to gauge the real injury impact. Ended up twenty eighth last year in the league and in, in AGL. So, um, if you're looking to see where they would be with a jump. Um, you know, I think well, they would definitely be over six, assuming they have average health. Of course, they're already on the path to not average, average
0: health. So who knows? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, Jonah, average, yeah, they're already yeah, they're already below average in that regard. By the way, fourteen to yeah. one to win the division. They were thirty to one on March sixteenth, so they've fallen a lot. I mean, that's probably just exposure. I thirty to one is yeah. a great value to win the division. Fourteen to one is not terrible, and plus uh, seven to one to make the playoffs versus missing the playoffs. So maybe that's. But I, I agree with you. I think the over six wins. I like the over because you just have to be crappy and a little bit less crappy than last year. Like seven and nine, you know, you get the over. That's not a hard number to hit. Yeah. Uh, all right, Paul. No, Daner, it shouldn't be. Paul Danner Jr., the uh, the best guy in the biz on the Bengals beat. Thanks for joining me again, my man, and uh, we'll have to hang out soon. Anytime. Talk to you later, Will.